0: My family, my friend, I've crisscrossed this great land of ours countless times. I hold a map of it here and in my heart, next to the joyful memories of my carefree days I spent as a young boy here in your beautiful town of Twin Peaks. From Alexandria, Virginia to Stockton, California, I think about Lewis and his friend Clark, the first Caucasians to see this part of the world. Their footsteps have been the highways and the byways of my days on the road. My shadow is always with me, sometimes ahead, sometimes behind, sometimes to the left, or sometimes to the right, except on cloudy days or at night. My dharma is the road, your dharma? Hello and welcome. I'm Douglas Bowles and this is 42 Minutes, a podcast about meaning from SyncBook Radio and distributed by thesyncbook.com. You can find our archives at 42minutes.com and you can reach us by sending a message to mail at 42minutes.com. You can also follow our tweets at Sync42 and at SyncBook. It's July 6th, happy birthday, Ashley. And today we are going to explore appetite and satisfaction, a perfect circle in both the gifted and the damned. I mean it like it sounds, like it is. That is, crack the code, solve the crime, and we'll do so today with Rossiter of Twin Perfect. Rossiter is the YouTuber behind the sensational video Twin Peaks Actually Explained, No Really, which has been viewed one million times. Since the arrival of his video this past October, he has also posted two more Twin Peaks explainer videos, of which we'll also likely discuss. Rossiter's mission at Twin Perfect is to rid the galaxy of low standards of entertainment through analysis of video games and film. He can be found on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, to which we'll link, as well as twin-perfect.com. It's exciting to be sharing 42 minutes with this new Twin Peaks voice. How are you doing today, Rossiter?
1: I'm doing fantastic, and don't go to that website. It's an old website, it's uh, (laughs) defunct.
0: Okay. Okay, so uh, before we talk about you, I think we need to talk about me, and maybe I guess I'm acting like Audrey Horn here, but anyway, my own feelings toward David Lynch, uh, David Lynch's art for the past, Few years have been really conflicted. In my 20s, I thought of him as a visual artist and understood everything he put on the screen as intentional and freighted with meaning. But later, in my 40s, I wondered if he was if he wasn't just um, like individually troubled and consumed by dark thoughts, uh, with a problematic relationship to women. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed the return. And then feeling like the whole series was a gift for me. I had zero expectations. And it, it felt like the most amazing weekly dream that we got to have. But then after the ending, I again was super conflicted. Because I didn't understand if he just erased Twin Peaks out of existence. And it felt, it I don't know, it just felt really nasty to me. Especially because I couldn't make sense of it. And then years pass, of course, and I hear rumors of season four and and I just don't care um not enough to investigate the rumors at all. But then, about two weeks ago, Victor Laval posted an image of Donald Trump next to Bob with a link to your video, the six and a half hour Explainer video, you know, noting that you right. can explain Twin Peaks, and now I'm beginning to feel like maybe I was completely wrong about David that perhaps the antidote is the poison out of necessity. So, um, although it seems like during a global pandemic and, you know, amidst systemic racism, uh, protests and police violence, um, that it seems really self-indulgent and escapist to talk about Twin Peaks, but could you maybe explain how it's not?
1: Um, Well... No <laughs> <laughs> that's a little that's a little above my uh level of analysis, I think. Okay, but so, would you say, all right, so um but the, what you the, you said some stuff there that there, you, there, you said a lot there. I really did. I'm sorry. No that's okay. Uh, I've heard a lot of um people. Uh, Okay, so in my research for the video, I did a lot of... I I think I dug up every possible interview that that David Lynch has ever done. And I've heard people asking him questions about, for example, the uh, problematic relationship with women that you mentioned. And he has always, always rejected any kind of ideology around that stuff. And he's always said that he is serving the idea and the idea is chief and i never wanted to go along with the idea that he that he hated women or anything like that because it just it doesn't seem like you know if you if you watch any any personal interviews with him he doesn't seem like that kind of a person so there must be something else going on and so i thought i i dug down to the core of of that particular analysis with my video you certainly did. And so the first time I watched it, I thought this
0: is, this is self-evident. It's simple, how come we didn't see this, right? But then I sat with it for a little while and now I'm starting to like, could it be that simple? Because um, basically you arrive at what amounts to like a unified theory where like in my 20s, I wanted to believe that everything that he put on screen had meaning and like I said later, I wasn't so sure. Like in terms uh-huh. of a, a spectrum, like people think that every shot of Stanley Kubrick is completely intentional and therefore it will explain something. But someone like Tarantino, you think maybe he put that up there just because it looked cool. And so like my own relationship to David Lynch, it seemed like he shifted from more of the Kubrick to more of the, the Tarantino in this s- spectrum that I
1: set up um right but um well okay so there's a there's a tendency to mythologize with david lynch i think um a lot of i a lot of the backlash i got from my video was from people as i address in the second follow-up video Dino, you know, um addressing direct criticisms to the video the number one criticism is always this is too simple and david lynch isn't that simple And he's dealing with these concepts that are unknowable, and he's tapping into some frequency that the average person can't get to, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't don't agree. I think that he is a person, just like every other person. And if you read his interviews and if you read his words on it, what he says that he's doing is he is trying to articulate some universal truth and it can't be a universal truth if we can't all understand it. And so this idea that we're not supposed to understand or that it's just weird to be weird or all this stuff is is counter to what even his intentions are. Even though he says that his intentions are that we should all have our inter- individual interpretations, It's still that we should have an interpretation and it should be close enough to what it what it was that he was trying to get at. I think that he is a picture thinker rather than a word thinker. I recently very fairly recently learned that there that there's two types of thinking. And, you know, some people are primarily picture thinkers and some people are primarily word thinkers. Uh, Not that one is better than the other. It's just that, you know, it's a left brain, right brain type of thing. And he is all picture and then so he'll explore an idea through his visual imagery, his visual imagery, excuse me. And then and then he talks about how putting those things into words reduces them to then just to the words. And he I think he sees the words as smaller than the than the the pictures. And so this creates kind of a mystique around those words. It's like those are the words that are not to be uttered, you know, and, and, and I, what I did was I uttered them. Or at least I think so. And there's people who will disagree, but I don't, I, as you said, I think it's pretty self-evident once you point it out. It's like, you can't not see it this way. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's this, this mythologizing of him that I think leads people down the wrong path. The clues are there. So like, there's
0: the, the Cooper line, crack the code, solve the case. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, that's the kind of stuff that my brain lit onto. But then in the 90s, I don't know where I read it or how it was, but uh, I think, oh, Lost Highway is one of the. I didn't see too many of Lynch films in the theater, but I think I definitely saw that one in the theater. And I, so I read a lot about it, but I, I found out later, and you never mentioned this, and maybe I. I made this up, but he was exploring O. J. Simpson in that film. Have you ever heard that? Correct.
1: Yes. He was he was exploring the idea what would it take for someone to do something that he that O. J. did. And then he stumbled upon this idea of uh a fugue state. I don't remember the technical term, but it was a fugue state where you you block parts of your brain out and you go in you go basically into a dream dream walking or sleepwalking type of deal. And so that's that's basically what he was doing with that. I it, it it's funny that I I think I figured I figured out Lost Highway long before any of his other works just because it's it's very similar to another series that I had analyzed before. It's the it's a video game series called Silent Hill where the main character will Uh, go to this town and then there's this spiritual power in the town that brings out your inner troubles and projects them onto the world and I saw the main character of Lost Highway going through exactly that situation of this is he's living through his inner turmoil it's not none of this is actually like maybe there's some of there's aspects of it that are real but none of it is actually to be taken at face value it's all parts of himself and so then you get characters like uh i don't remember the the name of the guy the mystery man i guess is what his name is right
0: that's yeah and so basically if i i mean he will only go where he's invited like if you invite jealousy into your house then he's he's in your house
1: is that... uh, sure. Well, I think it's more like the mystery man is his conscience trying to show him what he did and it's and he won't accept it. Hmm. And it's already in the house. It's his conscience. It's it's been there the whole time. And then um, Mr. Eddie is like a manifestation of his rage. Uh, when he goes into the the other it's the it's a man trying to escape his reality. And so he invents he, he goes so far as to invent a completely other identity for himself but even in the new identity he can't escape the guilt so all of the problems that he was having with his marriage in his in his real life start to manifest in this fake life with his you know love interest being a porn actress where his wife was a you know she cheated on him and so you get it's it's the the moral of the story is you can't run away and
0: so my Initial thought after watching your explainer, your first explainer video was, okay, I have to, I have to agree with your take, but then do you, is David Lynch conscious of every symbolic
1: thing? I mean, so that's a question that I have asked myself over and over and over again since the beginning of this. When I first started, I, I kept repeating to myself, like, I, I don't know how this man's brain works because like what when you point something out it's so obvious but before you get to that point like did he did he have the idea of for example the owls being telephone poles you know the the totem poles and stuff like did that did that come first and then the imagery come second or did he have the imagery of the owl and then i guess in that case it really was like the image came first, where he was looking at a, a transmission tower and seeing an owl, and then and then kind of folding that into his idea of a story. I don't know. I ca- I can't tell you. Then there's also I I pointed out in uh, the follow up that one of this this was a, like a quick aside, but it was kind of a, a bigger deal than I made it out to be. There's uh, the way he came up with the red room was he was leaning on a warm car and feeling the warmth from the car on his arms and that that gave him the idea for the red room and i was wondering like did it just come out of nowhere and then i realized that if you watch the making of's on the season three um there's the story that the one-armed man i can't remember the man's name tells david lynch how he lost his arm and he says that he feels like his arm is immersed in a pot of boiling oil all the time. So that seems like the progression, a logical progression to take, where it's like warmth on my arms makes me think of the one-armed man's arm boiled in boiling oil. Oh, that's an evil arm, you know, of an arm on fire. And then we get the little man and then we get the entire red room out of that. So I I think in some cases he'll... he'll have his original idea and then he will just follow it and then in other cases he'll come across he'll stumble on something like he'll call it a happy accident that just happens to work so perfectly with the idea like to the extent that it will transform the entire idea cuz i think what he's doing is since the beginning he's been trying to communicate the same idea over and over and over again in just from different angles so I think it goes all the way back to Eraserhead. I think Eraserhead is... He was tackling a similar idea about the zeitgeist being affected by the scare of nuclear war, etc. And then that really manifested itself in Twin Peaks. But then immediately after that, he did Wild at Heart, which is about... um like America, you know, wild, wild times in America or whatever it was that he was trying to do. It's like this spinning top idea of like things are just going out of control and the culture is feeding into it. And then when you get to Lost Highway, that's the same idea again with the OJ Simpson thing, like how, how do things get to the point where we're letting murderers go? Uh, and then into Mulholland Drive, now he's starting to deal with, okay, we've got this idea of Hollywood, and then we've got the reality of Hollywood, and this, and this is getting into our movies in some way. And it just, it just keeps going. He, he just keeps repeating this idea over and over and over again because he's trying to understand it just as much as we are. And that goes all the way down to the filmmaking process where he'll start with an idea and then he'll try to figure out what it is that he's even making while he's making it. And then the only time he calls it done is when, I guess, the money runs out or the time runs out or when it's good enough and it's time to move on to the next thing. Okay. so But so, like I said, after I watched your thing a second
0: time, then then I'm starting to, or maybe even not watching it the second time, but just kind of rolling it around in my head. That's when, you know, I'm like, really? I, you know, this, I don't, you know, I was just kind of... um Trying to question a little harder, but there are certain... Sure, that's c- the idea. Yeah, but there's certain points that are just undeniable. I mean, so, like, you you show him talking about his view of the zeitgeist, and then there's the one time where he basically says, you know, the the woman is like, why is your stuff so dark, which was exactly, you know, my problem. And he's like, well, you know, basically... The only way we're going to have light is if we explore our darkness or i mean i don't know how he said it, it was different and less
1: <laughs> jungian but you know it's that's pretty much it well i, I want to be clear it's not the one time I, the, I i chose when i when i did the video i chose the best examples in the instance of time you know I, I showed as little as i could just to to get the idea across and that's how complicated this idea is you know this idea that i i, I say i think in the video at around the three hour mark the whole thing is just TV is rotting our brains, but that's a stupid and trite and empty phrase. But if you go through this into this four and a half hour analysis, you can see that, yes, it actually is that. But there's so much underneath that, that statement. And, and I, so four and a half hours is the least I had to show. But there's so much more. If you just, if you just start looking up David Lynch interviews, he'll say this stuff It's the, over and over and over and over. This idea that that sunlight removes the darkness is his entire being is built on this idea. That's the, it's it's what he it torments him. This idea of balancing light and dark. It's all he does is trying to balance light and dark. Well,
0: and that's why I think, like I I mentioned, Victor Laval posted Donald Trump and and Bob side by side because he took that David Lynch's you know desire and showed. That with uh, with the failure of Twin Peaks, this is the world that we arrive at. If, if you can't go into the darkness, you know, this uh, superficial consumable violence begets the world that we're in, which you illustrated in The Return. Like, I just, it seems so obvious with uh, Sarah Palmer's TV.
1: Right, well, so... There are there are i mean it's it's fifty percent Mark Frost as well. I mean there's there's I I took a excuse me, very Lynch centric view of of the show because I'm a Lynch fan. I'm not really I mean, I like Mark Frost. I'm I'm not gonna call myself a Mark Frost fan. Did I, I, you I'm read a fan the of books? the work that he did. Did you read those yes, two? Yes, I books? did. Okay. I read the books be- in preparation for my video because I Okay, I did have a suspicion that Mark Frost didn't fully understand what it was that David Lynch was doing at the beginning. Um, well, I'm, and I was, was
0: thinking p- about it. You almost need to bring Mark Frost in because he is TV. Like, if you're going to... Right, so... Go ahead. If it's a meta-commentary on TV, you need, you need
1: TV to speak the language right. of TV? Right. I don't I don't want to take any credit away from Mark Frost. No, I don't either. Personal, I think he's a
0: great writer.
1: Right. My personal thought was always that that Dave from David Lynch's point of view, he doesn't write any of he doesn't really write any of his movies anyway. He always works with a writer. And in this case, he was making a TV show and so he got the TV writer. He the Hill Street Blues guy. Let's get that guy, you know. Uh that's not to say that Mark Frost didn't add a lot on his own i just had this feeling that david lynch was working with frost in a way that frost would have an idea of what what it was that he was trying to do which is perfectly valid and then david would accept or reject it based on whether or not it fed into his ideas i if that's uncharitable then i apologize i just it's just the, the feeling that i get and then, so when you get to the return, there's a lot of that, the political stuff that you were talking about in there that is full on Mark Frost. Uh, David Lynch does not like, he doesn't go into politics because he's trying to get to, he says this in interviews, he's, he, the politics of the day, you know, they have some effect, but the effect is bigger than just the politics of the day because it's, it's, we're in an ongoing process and, you know, with society and our lives and, and human advancement and all these things.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, so I just, that's what I was trying to get at with the beginning is that um, as an artist, you, uh, you know, based on what you're reading of this, David Lynch has, well, it's not even your reading. David Lynch has an intention to bring love into the world. And this is the vehicle that he's trying to do it with. But the audience is actually thwarting him and we're not getting So that that's what's interesting too, because then part of the part of the Twin Peaks community is culpable. Like I know a lot of people had expectations from season three that were really unsatisfied at the beginning, especially with all these hours of Dougie. Right and so it's it's a really i i how what kind of reception i know that you got a a good reception but what kind of reception from the twin peaks
1: community um the <laughs> the twin peaks hardcore the real hardcore twin peaks community has has rejected my videos com- pretty much outright um toward the beginning there were a lot of people who were uh I do go over some ideas that have been bounced around in the community for a while. Um I haven't been in the community for a while. I I'm I'm very much outside of it, but w- in my research I I was digging into as many ideas as I could possibly get to try to I was trying to defeat my hypothesis. And and a lot of those people had some similar ideas. They just didn't know how close they were getting to what I think is the answer. They were just rubbing right up against it, and then they don't know what it. They didn't really understand what it meant, and so that stuff has been argued for years and years. And so when my video came out, there were some people who didn't watch the video within one hour. The video is four and a half hours long, but within one hour there were already scathing criticisms of my video because they were skipping through and looking for all of their pet uh, ideas that they didn't like. You know and then saying, oh, well, he he does the Cooper is the audience thing. Well, we've already rejected that. So this whole video is bad because he, he thinks Cooper is the audience. Then that kind of stuff. So yeah, the 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 real hardcore fans didn't like me. But then I also got a lot of response from people who were in the community and then came to me and said, I'm really sorry about what, the, what our community is doing to you because I don't think like them. And I think that all of these ideas are supposed to be, you know, we're supposed to be following David Lynch's idea of everything being valid. And these people are just dis- disagreeing with you before they've even heard the idea. And so, um, unfortunate, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm used to that kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's a common response to the videos on my channel because I don't tend to follow the crowd. I tend to, <laughs> I I don't really I really don't like making videos that aren't saying something that's so wildly different from what everyone else is saying so I did a Prometheus uh, uh, I I did a video defending Prometheus because Prometheus was rejected outright without considering the deep ideas that I thought were in there I did a video defending Man of Steel and Batman v Superman which were universally panned you know, I I I don't care what you think of the movie aesthetically or and you know in terms of entertainment, but there are some ideas in there that are worth considering. And so, I mean, these are the kinds of things that I do anyway. So I wasn't I wasn't expecting actually the the overwhelmingly positive response to the this video be, because of the kinds of people that I saw in the Twin Peaks community. Hmm. Unfortunately. <laughs>
0: Well, I I want. I know there's a lot there.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, so I want to. I mean, I want to thank you. So I'm not. I don't feel like I'm part of the community necessarily either. I've definitely talked to a lot of them, and I I really appreciate all of their work. Um, but the thing that you did for me is restore, uh, restore Twin Peaks for me. Cause like like I said, after season three, at the end, I had such a sour taste in my mouth. Just be, but at least. With the explainer, it, it gave the whole thing meaning because it put everything into context of, you know, what I loved about the first season. Right. And so um, it, it made sense at that point. Like, it wasn't just a, a crazy-ass ride, which is
1: kind of... Well, I, I can tell you that, that your experience with it, I, I had the opposite experience because I didn't feel that i I felt that there were some there was something that i didn't understand about the original that other people were getting and i and i wasn't see i wasn't seeing the complete picture and it was season three that actually helped me to understand season one and two and after season three happened everybody was trying to figure out season three and i'm thinking well what this explains season one and two let's go back because if you if you go back then you can understand season three in the context of season one and two Um, you know, it was, it was this frustration that everybody was feeling about Dougie. And (laughs) so I'll tell, I'll tell you the, the moment that I, that I knew that I had the answer or what, at least what I think is the answer. I always (laughs) want to qualify it. But the moment I felt that I had the answer was after 16 episodes of nothing happening, and nothing means anything, and nothing's going anywhere, and what the heck is going on with Dougie, and we don't care about any of this, and to the the point where it's getting comedic how irrelevant any of this is, everything gets wrapped up in one episode. And I go, wait a minute, that's not correct. That's not what David, that's not David Lynch. David Lynch does not wrap everything up in a neat little bow in one episode. That's wrong. And then the last episode, after this wrap-up, takes us back into confusion again and then with the TV shutting off at the end it's it's like yes i know exactly what it is that he was doing it's a criticism of everybody who's watching it right now but not a malicious one that's another reading that that people like to to go off on where it's like uh, even even people who were working on the show think you know he was being malicious with with twin peaks and and i i, I just i don't think so i think it was just a a accurate mirror of the reality that was this cultural phenomenon. So that's really what helped me to 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 lock it down. And then when I went back and I and I realized because cause it's that TV shutting off at the end is like the literal the T the show is over, so let's turn the TV off. And then I'm thinking, well, what if he did he did that with other things? And then going back and analyzing that convenience store scene that david bowie was talking about and well, that's and that's realizing... the one
0: that yeah that's where it just seems like that those are some of the weirdest scenes that there are and by right. unpacking them it's like oh you know here are the answers and they're dumb you know like you say <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah well i mean that's that's a comedic way to put it i don't, I don't actually think that there's no they're they're not
0: they're really dumb good, but, but it's, it's just, just like it seems At like face so value obvious. they seem right. so stupid <laughs> right like it's David Lynch. Here's a weird guy who's standing up and down and bouncing up on a chair with the with a stick. It's like it doesn't mean anything. It's just art. It's like no, it does it It could mean this. It's like
1: right. but well, I was also uniquely situated, I think, because i I study a lot of you know, just as my job, i study I study stories all the time. But then what also is your my
0: job, that's what I'm curious about. How, how do you have this laser vision that you can, so you got Sam Stanley looking <laughs> at the whole room, trying to figure out how much it costs and, and, you know, uh, you're looking at exactly the thing that you're supposed to be looking at. Um, uh,
1: well, well, so I, I, I like to think that, that what I'm doing here is my job. <laughs> 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 I, I won't, I won't go into it. My, 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 my real life job, but, um, at my job as at, at, on my youtube channel is you know f- trying to i'm completely lo- i'm I lost my train of thought um <laughs> oh yeah so so in 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 analyzing media like this uh it helps to know like as much as you possibly can about how how they're physically made because it te- they the creators of of media tend to like to talk about the media that they're making in their work. And so, my father happened to be had to have to work for a cable company for 20, 30 years, something like that. And so I just happened to know all of this knowledge about NTSC broadcast television that was being reflected in that convenience store scene. Um you got me on you got me on how how I'm able to laser focus on stuff I don't know. I uh I've been I've been thinking about that myself recently. I think it's a general. Um, I don't know. I think I I taught. I think I think I accident. I like fell into it when I was I was working on my Silent Hill projects because what I was doing there was, so the early Silent Hill video games were a certain way, and then later Silent Hill games did not live up to the standards of the of the early ones, and so that I started my YouTube channel trying to figure out why that was and really diving into a creator-centric um, exploration like you know here are the who, who are the people responsible because it's a nobody ever wants to put a name to to a mistake or to a success and I, I want to know exactly where these ideas came from and so I think it was it was really that 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 started me with with Twin Peaks was everybody's analyzing it from where they I think it's like I just like I said in the video everybody's analyzing it from where they are and what they know you know for example the white horse the white horse is death it's the it's you know from biblical stories and I'm thinking well that's that's your presupposed idea but what does David Lynch think that is so I don't start from where I think things are I start from Immediately, I go to trying to figure out what it was that the guy who made it was trying to say. Although, I, I do... I guess it was just a matter of luck that he happened to be trying to talk about something that I already knew a lot about, which was NTSC Broadcast Television. Like, I just happened... It just happened to be me that was the one that knew all the stuff that he was trying to communicate there.
0: Well, so then... Like the, the the thought I'm having is when, in your in your history and relationship to Twin Peaks, does it what does it become the idea that you need to crack this code and solve the crime? Is it after you watch season three? You know how what you know what kind of relationship did you have to the material before you decided, like I need to read every piece of writing on David Lynch now and figure this out? <laughs> right.
1: Uh, well, I can tell you that the first time I saw Twin Peaks, I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it. I wasn't ready for it. I wasn't, I wasn't in the right headspace to uh, enjoy it. Um, as time went on, I, I, uh, I keep talking about this Silent Hill video game series. But the reason I got into Twin Peaks in the first place was because Twin Peaks was an inspiration for Silent Hill. And so I had a cursory knowledge of the general you know story. But in that in that situation, it was, you know, there's this weird stuff. There's this weird spiritual power in Silent Hill that's manifesting people's ideas and projecting it onto this town. And then in Twin Peaks, I saw that as the same idea of there's this weird mystical thing out in the woods that's causing a bunch of weird stuff in this town. And that's as far as it went. And then it was... I mean, the, ten years later of of analyzing media, we get to season three, and I see the end of season three, and it's like, I know exactly what that is, and it's and it's because of, like I said, all that crazy knowledge that I had, so I, th- I think it was the it was the season three finale where I said i I know what this is, I can explain it, I understand it. I didn't know as much as i as as is in the final video, but i I had the basic idea. And that's when I really dug into it because I I got excited about the idea of basically of a new video that I could <laughs> drop on the internet like a nuclear bomb, I guess. For the, for the two years that I was making this, I felt like I was sitting on nuclear launch codes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but so then with that, like, uh, did you look into the rumors at all? Like, it, are those rumors... Validate the season four rumors. The season four rumors.
1: I've heard them. I don't. I from my analysis perspective, I don't see that there can be a season four. Um, although if there were, it would be in the context of I think what I laid out in my videos, which is that it would be a Twin Peaks less Twin Peaks. It would be Twin Peaks in name only, like even further to an even further extent than season three is, because season three is already this isn't Twin Peaks. So a, a season four of Twin Peaks, I don't even think you could call it a season four of Twin Peaks. I think it would it would be its own thing, spiritual successor to Twin Peaks. And then it would have to be about, I don't know, maybe a literal TV character that ended up in the real world and doesn't know how he got there, because that's how the show ended.
2: Hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, so then where do you go? Like
0: that's, I feel like, did, did you know about this this treasure hunt that's been going on in the West, I don't know very much about it, but like some millionaire hid, hid some treasure in the woods and people have been hunting for it for decades and someone just recently found it. Wait, what, what, what? Huh? Uh, there is a literal. There was a literal treasure hunt in the West. I think this <laughs> m- millionaire hid millions of dollars somewhere in the mountains in Colorado and someone just found it and everyone is like... You know the the hunt is over. I feel like it's it's interesting that your video and this happen at a similar time mentally for me. Um,
1: I didn't I didn't know that that was a thing, but that's pretty cool. Um,
0: because I don't. Where do you go from like? <laughs> I feel like
1: I'm I'm off to the next thing. <laughs>
0: that's that's where I'm going. What's,
1: I've, what I've uh, well, I, I feel have like recently... this would
0: this consumed you for two years, and how exciting that chase must have been, but. Is there anything else as interesting as as this?
1: Have you ever heard of Neon Genesis Evangelion? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. It is um possibly the most famous anime ever created. And it is notorious for like I hear I hear super popular nobody understands it has a confusing ending and I'm all over it. And so that's what that that's what that series is. It's this super popular TV show that nobody's understood since 1991, I think, or 95, 93, some, somewhere early 90s, that nobody's been able to figure out for years and years. And now the creator just happens to, it's just like Twin Peaks. He just happens to to be revisiting it now. And the last uh, remake movie was supposed to come out this month. And so that was my next project until that got uh, waylaid by COVID. And so now I'm, I'm on to a... Another exciting uh, discovery I've made about, I don't know if you've heard the video game series, Dark Souls. No. Right. <laughs> that's fine. But I'm just, I'm just jumping from huge revelation to huge revelation. The Dark Souls is, is to video games what Twin Peaks was to TV. <laughs> <laughs> and it's this big, um, you know, it's this gigantic story that's told in little snippets and you have to try to piece together what's going on just from descriptions of individual little pieces of equipment that you pick up in the game. It's like, it's a, it's a, the whole game is one big puzzle. And I made a discovery about that recently. That is very much in the vein of the discovery I made about Twin Peaks. And so that's where I'm headed now. Do you think you're done with Twin Peaks then? Uh, so I, I, I would say yes I, I don't I don't see any more that I could say. I mean if you have if you have uh, any questions about things that I didn't answer I could probably come up with something for you right now.
2: <laughs> but no. in terms of in, I
1: mean it, I have I have no intention to continue with Twin Peaks because I've said everything uh, already. It's like that's why the video is four and a half hours rather than I'm like I'm not going to turn my entire entire video uh, YouTube channel into just the Twin Peaks channel. Your, your channel is called Twin Perfect. It was that before I had even known that there was a show called Twin Peaks. What does that refer to? <laughs> it's uh, the, the channel is called Twin Perfect because one time I had a VCR. It was a Magnavox Twin Perfect tape. And the twin referred to twin read heads that would read the tape. And I thought "Twin Perfect sounds like a side scrolling arcade shooter, and that's kind of cool. So I'll pattern my my website and my video after that and turn it into like a space theme that's that's literally that's it <laughs> well so
2: <laughs>
0: what for whatever reason this show is interested in synchronicity, and that's one of the reasons why we've spent so much time. on on Twin Peaks just because it's one of those fun things, David's happy accidents that he likes. What is your own relationship to synchronicity?
1: Uh, I don't think about it too much. I just take things as they come.
0: Well, that was 42 minutes. Thank you so much for sharing it with us.
1: Thank you very much for having me. Really, it's over already?
0: Unless I've done bad math, which could be possible. Yeah, I'm seeing
1: it right here. I'm recording record forty three minutes. Man.
0: You've been listening to Rossiter on forty two minutes, production of Sick Book Radio on the sickbook.com Check out his work. Well, don't check out his work at his website,
1: twin perfect.com. Where would you point them? I would point them to youtube.com slash twin perfect. Okay. You, the YouTube channel is everything. For more information about The Sync Book, our guests, to check out past shows or subscribe to the
0: podcast via iTunes, please be sure and visit our website at thesyncbook.com. If you like this podcast, check out others. As currently all The Sync Book radio archives are free, we also feature a great search engine to help you find what you need. Just type in Twin Peaks and a whole dream will open up. All this and more can be found at thesyncbook.com. Thanks so much. And yes, well Wally, it's great to see you again and may the road rise up to meet your wheels.